Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Ball In, Ball Out, the official Lakers podcast of Hoop Ball. Hoop Ball. Hoop-Ball.com. I am Dan Bespris, and I am joined by the whole crew. We got the three-man going. It is a remote pod, and it's a particularly exciting one. Eli Bauman, fresh off uh, an Oscars viewing session that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Eli, what's going on, man? Good morning. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I am excellent, and this is the one I'm pretty excited about. Dr. Eric Noble abandoning his practice on, on a Tuesday morning to go hang out in a McDonald's bathroom. Eric, what oh, is it? Oh, gosh. If you guys hear like a Hispanic woman yelling quarter pounder with cheese in the background... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, little known, little known fact: this is actually this actually is Eric's office. He's <laughs> runs his practice out of a McDonald's in the in the valley. Well, one of the best mental health treatments is not Prozac; it's a McFlurry. So <laughs> that's actually true. Yeah, those, they're they're delicious. I'll take a lactate pill for that. I feel like I mentioned on a previous podcast how excited I was to find out that it, the Big Mac, if you order it without cheese, it's actually lactose free. And I'm going to talk again about how exciting that was for me. To not have to take a lactate pill, to not have to wipe the special sauce off the Big Mac. I was going to say, so special sauce is not uh, has no dairy. In it? it has no dairy in it, so it really it's is quite disturbing. <laughs> it's very <laughs> disturbing, and it's amazing for me. Probably really frightening for everybody else. Should I bring in a podcast guest, like someone from the the front counter, to talk about the uh, dairy <laughs> constant? Well, probably constant. you'll probably find. You you might find Tyler Ennis working back there in about oh, six weeks. Oh, sorry, sorry, so sorry, so sad. Uh, so I feel like we kind of have to talk about the fact that the Lakers lost a game. I, I'd love to focus exclusively on the, the comeback win over the Spurs, but the story of the week so far is that Damian Lillard is really freaking good. Uh, was that thirty five feet, Eric? You're you're the doctor in the house. Was that thirty five feet away? That three pointer. I know it was from the S where the Lakers logo is. That's, That's very, right. very far. And <laughs> he, from the he is ice cold. Man, that was mean. Can we... So, all right, here's the thing. I feel like we all watched this at different times in different settings. Eli, you were fresh off of that, a bachelor viewing 
Uh, Eric, you watched, right. you watched it on the dark web, and I watched it live. And I, I wonder if we all had different reactions to this Portland loss. Eli, what was your, what was your feeling on, on kind of what happened in the fourth quarter, if anything? Uh, yeah, I had a lot of feelings. Uh, <laughs> mostly, like, frustration and sadness followed by kind of a like immediate positive spin that we're even in the situation where I felt those feelings that like I cared enough and it felt like unjust and and like we got basically Damian Lillard like temple of doomed us he like reached into our heart and ripped it out <laughs> and then showed it to us pulsating as we were lowered into a flame and, which is uh, the second time he did this this year that's exactly right he continues to temple of doom us and I so first my first real thought was Oh, they have Damian Lillard, and we have a guy who thinks he's Damian Lillard and is not. And that was kind of, in a weird way, the difference of the game is that Isaiah Thomas just is not Damian Lillard, and Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. Yeah, he's good. Um, and then I felt immediately hopeful about the fact that, like, we're right in this game. Like, that's a really good team. They were at full strength. We were missing two of our be- better players. One of our best players, Brandon Ingram, who... I think particularly we missed at the end because the answer to like, who is the guy on our team who you want to have the ball at the end is Brandon Ingram. And we didn't have him. So instead we had Isaiah Thomas playing hero ball at five, eight with one hip. And, uh, you know, it's, I think I'm probably gonna have to frost my tips after that game, but at the same time, (laughs) um, we're fighting like we played really, really hard and we did a, just about everything wrong down the stretch and we still barely lost a good team. So, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I just I, I go by what I was like feeling and thinking watching the game. And I was I was super into it, which is just a fantastic feeling to like be in the heat of a game to really care to be like screaming at my computer on the dark web um it's we're back we're back we're a legitimate team and it's it's fun to like feel like a fan again and i'm like really invested in rooting yeah um and i was i was very anxious too which is like a great feeling as a fan yeah Uh, there's been no anxiety for multiple seasons which is like yeah we're gonna lose this game the question is how exactly it was nice to feel anxious because there was something riding on it. I mean, I as much as I want Eli to get frosted, yeah, tits, I don't because I really <laughs> want us to to make the playoffs. Thank you, Eric. And, you know, this this kind of <laughs> deflated our bubble there. I I think our chances are very slim to none at this point. Yeah, well, nobody um, else is losing. The everybody everybody in front of the Lakers just keeps playing these teams that have that are, they're in a full tank mode. I guess we can talk about that in a minute. I, I'm inclined to mostly agree with both of you, actually. My reaction uh, to to that ball game was first, like, why is, why is KCP the guy initiating the offense for a couple of possessions in a row? And it did look like he got fouled on one of them, but that was sort of neither here nor there. And then Julius Randle against the only good defender on Portland. That was like the one time that you sort of didn't want Randle to be the guy going. And then Isaiah Thomas trying to go uh, one-on-one instead of using a giant screen. Because the Lakers have a couple of pretty good screeners out there, which he did do. I actually thought Isaiah's pull-up jumper from, it was like a foot or two beyond the free throw line. I actually thought that was an okay shot. And yeah, he just he, missed it. Yeah, he front-rimmed it. Um and then Portland's defense on the very last play of the game was apparently really good because the Lakers ended up throwing it 
like 15 feet above Brooke Lopez, who somehow went up and got it, gave it to Isaiah, and he immediately got stripped. And so the whole thing kind of came apart. I still feel like that game was Damian Lillard. Like, we could find a lot of little things the Lakers didn't do great down the stretch, and Brandon Ingram was a, was a huge reason why, because he could have elbowed his way into the paint and kind of created a little bit of havoc. But if Damian Lillard doesn't hit four consecutive three-pointers, the Lakers win that ball game. Right? That's right. He, yeah. he did have to pull it out of his butt, which he did successfully yeah, again. Su- way, way out from the Essen Lakers. Hey, as do you guys noted. question any of our defensive tactics on him in those last four minutes? I don't, I don't know what you could have done, right? Like Lonzo yeah, was guarding not, him 30 feet away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Lonzo's our best on-ball defender, which is... Speaking of crazy things, I I never thought I would say at the beginning of the season. I mean, with Hart gone, I mean honestly, like if Ingram was there, we should, would have put Ingram on him just to like Slender Man, you know, his <laughs> his limbs up there. But no, I mean, look, so if a guy's well, going to actually, now that you mention it, that's the last time the Blazers beat him, beat us. Damian Lillard hit the shot over Brandon right, Ingram. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, at some point you just have to like tip your cap, you know, like if the guy's going to hit. A step back three going left, a thirty-five foot three out of nowhere. You know, like could you know? I saw that Lonzo, and I like this. Lonzo basically said, like, the loss is on me. I own this after the game. But I mean, yes, yeah, not. It's not. You though. know, it's not really on him. I appreciate that that sentiment. But you know, sometimes, sometimes in basketball, because it's five on five, the team with the best player on the court is the team that wins if it's close down the stretch. I mean, we all grew up in the Michael Jordan era, era, and Michael Jordan just used to do this to people all of the time. And Lillard just did Lillard stuff. And Isaiah Tom, to me, the story of the game is that Isaiah Thomas, you know, they basically dared him to score, and he just couldn't. Like, he couldn't get the shots to go in he got lost in a sea of traffic and our offense kind of stagnated and we didn't have the we didn't have the Lillard that that free throw was, uh, was short on him yeah short on that was weird he actually looked like he felt pressure the guy who we just who we had basically all agreed doesn't feel pressure because he's too confident he looked like he fe- I wonder if the McCollum misses crept into his head and free throw shooting sort of feels a little contagious doesn't it Absolutely, it does. yeah. And he sh- he should have taken off the headband before that free throw. <laughs> um, one thing: ha- Do you guys know how many consecutive losses this is for the Lakers against the Blazers? It's like fifteen or something, right? the The last time we beat the Blazers, Robert Sacre was on the team. Mm, oh my god, Sacre the bleu. Sacre era, Sacre bleu, Sacre bleu. I Robert. can't. I don't Speaking even remember how long ago that was. When was Robert Sacre? How was that three, four years ago? More than that. And uh, according to the announcers on the dark web, Robert Sacre is now famous. I guess he's been playing in Japan, and he was like in a dunk contest. I haven't seen the YouTube clip yet. But he was in a dunk contest, and he was like trying to rev up the audience, the fans, for like a tomahawk dunk. And he attempted it and just like totally missed it. So we're definitely gonna have to check that out. Yeah, we're gonna have That's to dig great. in. I didn't. I never had Robert Sacre pegged as like a monster hammer dunking type. That's uh, no. Well, That's maybe in Japan, it's a different. It's yeah, a different scale, different of rim. dunking. Yeah. They can I, t- can I tell you guys the weirdest thought I had? And this is a legitimate thought that I had during this game because Isaiah was driving me nuts. I don't want to overreact, but he he was driving me pretty crazy in that game. 
And we haven't talked about uh, my new favorite random Laker, Travis Ware. <laughs> T Ware, buddy. Uh, the the new the new uh, who should we tell people that our friend Nick Mark is when we're going through an airport? <laughs> we have a friend who's six nine who kind of is actually a, a good basketball player, but we used to tell people he was Travis Knight because it's <laughs> Travis Knight's just kind of like a random white guy with like not really a distinguishing face. So Travis Ware is the new uh, Travis Knight. But anyway, my legitimate thought was, I think we should put in Travis Ware <laughs> coming down the stretch. I was like, we need this guy. We know he can shoot. Like take out Isaiah and put in Travis Ware was what I, a legitimate thought I had. It's pretty interesting that we were we still felt like we could really compete in this game when at certain minutes we were trotting out a lineup with Evita Zubox, Travis Ware, and Tyler Ennis. That's that w- those were true. three of our five players at certain times. Yeah, yeah. and Man. we should have won. <laughs> yeah, should have won. Yeah, I was just talking to a uh, another friend of mine who is a massive Laker fan, and I, and and the thought really that that has kind of keeping me afloat after a difficult loss like that is. Well, there's two. Number one, it's it's generally really difficult to put on a good show your first game back home after a long road trip. So I was actually pretty impressed with the Lakers' effort in this game. But two, this really felt like the kind of game where there are like six things that all needed to break one way for Portland to win the game. And if any one of those six things went the Lakers' way, the Lakers would have won. So I guess mathematically, I felt like the Lakers probably would have won this game about 85% of the time, from the six-minute mark on. If you started this game from the six-minute mark a thousand times, I think the Lakers would win it 850 of them. And it just, everything went the Blazers' way. The Lakers missed some open shots. Lonzo had that nice open corner three. IT had the free throw line jumper. Brooke Lopez had an open shot. If one of those goes in, the Lakers probably win this game, and none of them did. Eric? Dan, you also called it before the game. You said the Blazers go as Yusuf Nurkic goes, and he had a big game against us. I think he grabbed, what, like 16 rebounds, and, and at the end there, when there was like a mad dash for the, for the, the ball, the rebounds, he, he had a, a, f- a couple of huge deflections, which just killed us. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a weird, he's a weird basketball player because he's, he's very, He's sort of in that Julius Randle vein of kind of bull in the china shop. His his hands are not that soft. You'd, there was a play where somebody threw him a bounce pass and he just kneed it straight out of bounds, just kicked it right into the second row. Uh, but he's he's the guy that can hold Portland together. They have no other near-the-rim producers besides... Like, look at the rest of the Blazers roster. I guess Ed Davis can actually do a little something around the rim, but like... That's a jump shooting team. Al Farouk Amino is a jump shooter as around Damian Lillard, jump shooter. McCollum, jump shooter. He's the guy that can get them some easier looks, and he made his free throws on top of everything else, which not actually that common for Nurkic. But Portland's actually been playing really good defense lately, and that's a, that's something that I hadn't even really noticed until their last two basketball games. They held the Lakers under 40%. Lakers have had one of the best offensive ratings in the NBA in 2018. Uh, I, I do wonder how much of that comes down to Brandon Ingram, but uh, Portland is playing really good basketball right now. They beat a couple of bad teams, but they beat some good ones. They are currently the three seed in the West, and it, it more the more I watch them, the more it feels like they're there for a reason. But... Nobody's getting past the top two in the West, so good for Portland. <laughs> they're just sort of they're stuck in a weird spot. Eli, it looked like you had something to to follow up. Well, I, I mean, I think like you can try to peg why 
I, I think you're right that like there are six things that needed to go one way. I thought the refs in that game were terrible. I mean, not to be that guy, but I did think they were particularly bad and not in our favor for most of it. But I also think like the simple math of this is that they have a top 15 player in the league and we don't. Yeah. And I think what's cool about next year is like we're going to have one. We don't know who it is yet, but we're going to have one. And, you know, to me, it's like you look at the good teams in the league, like the real playoff teams, the teams that can make some noise. And like every single one of those teams has a guy. You know, the Pelicans have Anthony Davis. The Blazers have Damian Lillard, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Like, we all know who those guys are. Like, the closest thing we have to that is Brandon Ingram, and he didn't play in this game. And you just look at it, and and coming down the whole stretch, our offense kind of stagnated when the game slowed down because we didn't really know who was supposed to get the ball. We know on our team who thinks they should get the ball, which is Isaiah Thomas. But I'm not sure that he's that guy anymore. I think, sadly, I feel bad for him, but it's just, it's hard to be a, a 5'9 guy with no explosion. You know, so I'm spinning this positively. You look forward to next year when we have that guy, and then you also have the guys who are currently on our roster. You know, to me, I'm thinking Randall, Ingram, and Lonzo as the main kind of troika of dudes. And you just go like, oh, right, next year, let's say it's Paul George. Next next year, we win that game. like, And we win a lot more games with that recipe because we know we kind of know who the pecking order. Right now, I just kind of look at this team down the stretch in close games. We've lost a lot of these kinds of games to a lot of teams that have a Damian Lillard type. Yeah. And I think next year, we won't. that won't be the case. It was interesting, too. And then, Eric, I, I want to let you jump in as well. It was interesting, too, that we didn't actually lose this game because we missed 900 free throws. That was sort of a new way for the Lakers to, to drop a, a close, hotly contested game. I guess I'm happy about that, right? The Lakers actually were okay at the foul line in this game, and it was the Blazers missing a couple that almost gave L.A. a chance to, to tie the game and maybe send it to overtime or something like that. But, yeah, it did seem like there was this weird, like, round-robin thing down the stretch where IT tried it twice, then KCP tried it twice, then Julius tried it twice, then Lopez tried it twice, and nothing nothing worked. Uh, and you needed that one guy that where you could just go to him and say, go figure out a thing. It's actually why the Pistons claimed they went and got Blake Griffin because the guys in the NBA that can just create their own shot and be the guy are very rare. They just happen to go get a dude who doesn't play any defense. Eric? Yeah, that didn't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to talk about Luke, and I'm curious to get your guys' uh, armchair coaching thoughts on this. I, I thought there were just some really good things and some, some things that I was kind of curious about. Um, but in general, my takeaway is that he's getting better at coaching, but but just a few of the, the smaller details. I mean, the the end of game play, he's always drawing it up for KCP. Yeah, why that um, I don't get. I don't get that at all. Well, I don't get it for a few reasons. One is I just don't really trust him as the the go to steal balls guy at the end of the game. But also, like, if we're really trying to develop our younger players, wouldn't uh. You know, wouldn't we want to get them reps taking these critical shots? Why give it to a guy who's probably not going to be on our team at the end? Um, so that was one thing. 
But then there are other t- times where I feel like his timeouts are so appropriately uh, called. There was one where we were like, it was halfway through the third quarter. Uh, we were up six, but our offense looked totally stalled out. And there was only like, 10 seconds on the shot clock. He called a timeout and drew up a great play back to actually KCP, who hit a wide-open three-pointer and got us up nine. Um, so I think some of those details are, are great. On the other hand, he calls a lot of early timeouts, and at the end of the game, we only have like one timeout left for the whole fourth quarter. So I'm just throwing out a few things. What are your guys' thoughts on Luke? Mm. Eli, what do you well, think about the timeouts, Jeff? Well, I mean, okay, the the KCP at the end of the game thing, I think literally it's because most plays you're going to call out of a timeout are going to be like pretty like heavily screen dependent. And like the only guy who really like comes off screens and shoots immediately on our entire team is KCP. So I think to some extent that's just like a function of like the situation. And but I mean, I think your point is well taken that like we need a better version of that guy, <laughs> um, of like a catch and shoot guy, because we don't really have a break you down off the dribble guy, especially with Ingram out. So it's like kind of a like, well, what who else are you going to? You can't really call a play for Randall. I mean, maybe that's who I would have called the play for, but it's, you know, it's kind of a, like, pick-your-poison situation. I don't really know what that is. The timeouts thing, I think he is good at calling timeouts kind of on the front end of when there's a problem. Like, exactly what you said. He, like, calls the timeout before it becomes an emergency where you're suddenly down by six points. Um, but, yeah, the I, th- I think you're right, too, that his timeout at the timeout usage did cost us at the end of the game because that last throw in from Lonzo to Brooke to Isaiah was kind of a mess. Yeah, um, kind of. There was nothing we could do about it. It was just like, okay, this is this is happening now. I feel uh, for Luke, though. I, I personally can identify this because when I was coaching 9- and 10-year-olds, I would use up all of my timeouts within the first six <laughs> minutes. Just like trying to herd cats and yeah. I literally I, I got on multiple occasions I forgot that I had used up all my time out and I got, got technical got the sea <laughs> web um yeah I mean I think I I think I prefer what Luke does to to the alternative of waiting too long in the hopes that you'll have one more obviously last night it would have been great to have one additional timeout there was still what, seven, eight seconds left in the ball game. So if you had another timeout, you could have conceivably gone with the quick two and the foul, and there would have been enough time to run another play after it. And also, yeah, you never know when you're going to run into the, oh, crap, nobody's open. Throw this thing up in the air as high as you can. We have the tallest player. Maybe something will happen scenario, which is indeed what happened yesterday. Um, but, uh, you know, in yesterday's game, to Luke's credit, the early timeouts probably should have put the Lakers in a in a better position to win the game where they wouldn't have needed two or three timeouts at the end of the contest. So I, I'm okay with it. I, I think that you're also seeing a change in the way that the entire Lakers coaching staff is operating where they are clearly going for wins right now. It's not like we're just going to play Kyle Kuzma 40 minutes because it's going to be we're going to use Kuz when the situation is right we're going to use Brooke when we need rim protection. We're going to use IT if you need somebody to you know come off a screen and, and make a, a pass that can spread the defense a little bit. They're, 
guys are being used for it's kind of a uh, trying to put guys in position to succeed instead of just trying to get them to learn everything by dropping them into the deep end, which is what you're seeing from tanking teams right now. Just throwing random dudes in for 35 minutes and saying, whatever, who gives a crap? We're going to lose anyway. Uh, so I like it, Eric. I, in response to your initial question, long-winded though I may be, I, I like what Luke does. I, I just want the final play to be called for Kuzma. You, Eli, you brought up a catch-and-shoot guy coming off of a screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kuzma the ball. I yeah. trust that dude to, to take a Was he on the court? Out. I'm not he certain. He was, right. There, I think he was, but there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where he wasn't, and I kept thinking, isn't Kuzma the guy that should really be out yeah. there right now? Because we didn't need like a power forward that could defend somebody. Al Farouk Aminu was not scaring you with his offensive abilities. The the Kuzma liabilities on the defensive side were not going to be exposed, and the Lakers needed somebody that could get a shot up over someone. That was an yeah. issue. I don't know. I'm with you guys Kuzma on that one. Kuzma played a sneaky good game, I thought, actually. He, I agree. He, I don't know what his stats were. I, I don't think his percentages have, were good. They haven't been good pretty much all year. but I mean, all like 2018 year, but... Um, Anyway, I guess to me, going back to Eric's kind of initial point, which is that like I do think Luke and this team are all in a nice spot where like they're all developing kind of at the same time. I think like Luke is actually developing as a coach over the season in the same way that our players are. So I, I actually did some research, guys. Ooh. I did some research. Ooh, we're an official podcast. <laughs> and I, I wanted to throw out some just like some comps, some like numbers at you. And just just to get just spin this kind of all positively because I think this was kind of a first real bummer loss in a while. Like I was bummed out for a minute, but it wasn't um, like the Memphis losses. It wasn't like a no, total no, lack it wasn't a sad loss. It was just kind of a disappointing loss. Right. But I needed a little like positivity, just kind of looking forward. So I looked up the, our teams, our players' stats over the last, I think it was twelve games. I don't know why I picked twelve games, but I picked twelve games. Feels like a nice number. So. So I'm going to just give you some stats. You can guess who the player is, and then I'm going to give you a comp that gives me some some real optimism. Right. So this player over the last 12 games has 20.6 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 4.2 assists on 60.1% shooting. Julius. Which, yeah. That's Julius Randle. So now let me give you a comp. This player, this NBA player, not Laker, had 23.1 points, 12.2 boards, 2.7 assists on 57.6% shooting over the same period of time. Hmm. Who's averaging double-digit? Uh, Western Conference. Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns. So to me, I'm like, okay, that's that's a good subset, and those are pretty similar stats. So I'm like, okay, if Julius Randle can be any facsimile <laughs> of Carl Anthony Towns, that's great. Okay, next one. 12.0 points, 6.0, 6.8 rebounds, 7.3 assists on 55.2% shooting. That has to be Zoe, right, with rebounds that's and Lonzo, assists? That's Lonzo Ball. So here's, Lonzito. Lonzito. So here's, a, here's his comp. 16.2 points, 5.5 rebounds, 6.4 assists on 43.5% shooting. I haven't the first foggy clue. Eastern Conference. Kyle, Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry. Ooh. Hmm. Pretty good. And then this one's just to rub in for Lakers fans who perhaps are still riding for this guy. 14.0 points, 3.8 rebounds, 5.9 assists on 38.9% shooting. That's a current Laker? Former Laker. 
Is that D'Angelo Russell? That's D'Angelo Russell. So Lonzo's stats are way better than him. Have you have you guys watched much Brooklyn Nets basketball lately? They're kind of terrible all of a sudden. They he's, went from feisty to just awful. He's been playing more. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's a winning he's, basketball player. He's no. taken a step back. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, they're way you better could, with. You could score, but yeah, they're way better with Spencer Dinwiddie running their team. And, yeah, in a much more fun name. Also, a way more fun name. So, Eli, you must be feeling pretty good. Your uh, Lakers ex-girlfriend is actually not doing so well for herself right now. <laughs> That's right. Got got out of shape and started smoking. <laughs> um, all right. Last last player comp. Last one. This this is a Laker. 19.2 points, 5.0 uh, rebounds, 5.1 assists, and 57% shooting. Brandon. That's Brandon Ingram. And here is a comp. 19.8 points. 3.4 rebounds, 5.8 assists on 43.6% shooting. Mm. Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference, a 19-point-per-game guy. Mm. I have no uh, idea. Eric? No, I don't know. Same team as Kyle Lowry. DeMar's under 20 points a game lately? Yeah, DeMar mm. DeRozan. Wow. That's so, actually not a terrible comparison. Uh, no. They're not that dissimilar. They're, they're both not really three-point guys yet i guess for brandon ingram is obviously longer than DeRozan. the, the ceiling on the defensive <laughs> side is higher if if brandon ingram turns into anything like demar DeRozan, you got to call that a big win oh a huge win other comps i had for him were wiggins and pg-13 all kind of guys with similar stats so i think when, you know. i think ingram is going to be better than andrew wiggins me too I don't know if he's going to be better than. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know if he's going to be as good as Paul. That's the window. Uh, But anyway, all of this gave me reason for for hope. I think that's like a legit sample size, and all of these guys are twenty three or younger. I want to. I don't want to take this current podcast in a in a off direction, but as a teaser, as a teaser, (laughs) you brought up uh, Demar Derozan. I saved him for last for this exact reason. (laughs) Thank you, Eli. Uh, The so he recently came out. Saying that he struggled with depression and anxiety, and did you see uh, Kevin Love did today? Kevin too? Love, I yeah. was just going to say that Kevin Love just wrote a, a Players Tribune article about his uh, struggling with panic attacks. Uh, a lot, a lot more attention coming to mental health. I want to uh, take some time to formulate some cogent, yeah. coherent thoughts, and we'll come back to it. But I, I'm just really excited that this is a. Uh, something that's being talked about right now. Yeah, huge positive, right? I mean, like for a young guy like Markel Fultz, maybe this opens the the door for him to say, "Listen, like I my shoulder is totally fine. I too am struggling with something between the ears and it's not something to be ashamed of." Yeah, and I think also just even I mean, we'll talk about this more at length, but even just like broadening it out like you know, I think what people don't necessarily understand and I thought DeRozan was actually a a perfect um, messenger for this is like absolutely DeRozan's playing great. Like DeRozan, DeRozan doesn't have a hitch. You know, he's only gotten better, and even he is struggles with with pockets of you know feeling hopeless or depressed or anxious or whatever it is. And I think like that's the thing that I think not just NBA community but communities at large like don't really um fully understand or fully respect or fully give the attention to which is that like people in all walks of life who are doing well who are doing terribly who are having the best year of their lives who are having the worst year of their lives whatever like you know i thought 
Kevin Love said this really well, which is that like everyone's going through something and you never know what that person is going through, no matter if they're smiling and scoring 30 points a game. Like, um, and I was really heartened to see like LeBron has already commented on this because, you know, I do think that we take for granted that these guys are rich and famous and successful, but they're also under a lot of pressure and they also have genetics that some may have been blessed by physical genetics, but may have other genetics at play. And, you know, a lot of them have difficult upbringings. You know, there's just a lot that goes into, you know, a human being, let alone an NBA player. So the way they talked about it and wrote about it was, was just really eloquent and uplifting. And, uh, made me very thankful for them. I thought, uh, exactly to your point, I thought DeMar DeRozan's a great messenger. I mean, Kevin Love is as well, but specifically, I mean, DeMar DeRozan being black and yep. mental health has a, a long stigmatized history in that community. <laughs> and just the fact that, you know, he, I, I think a lot of par- players and a lot of people just really, really respect him. And, yep. and it's just going to be a good thing. <laughs> I think that's a great note to uh, to wrap up the pod. Uh, what do we got next? What's next on the docket for the LA Lakers? Oh, hold on. Well, one thing though, we didn't talk about the Spurs win. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was like the opposite of the Blazers which was a great game. win, where everything that needed to break for the Lakers to for them to come back and win that game actually did. So maybe maybe this is like karmic retribution for the last two games going back to back. Probably should have lost the Spurs game. Probably should have won the Blazers game and. At the end of all of it, it's it's one and one. So, well, can I propose something? Since uh, this has probably gone on long enough, and maybe we don't have time to talk about the Spurs, but I, I, I'm really curious about this next game. I think we play Orlando. Is that right? Yeah. I actually want to talk about because I I kind of thought about these three games: the Spurs game, the Blazers game, and the Orlando game, kind of as like a trio of games where it's kind of like a a weakened playoff team that I think we're a legit playoff team that is full strength. And then like a really garbage team. And I actually think like we'll learn a lot by this Orlando game about what kind of team we are, because everyone's going to be bummed after losing this game. We should have won. And if we come, if we, I think draw even or lose to Orlando, it's a, that's a real bummer much more than losing the Blazers game because that shows that everyone got kind of down and didn't refocus. And if we crush them like we should, then I think you can look at that Spurs game as more indicative of who we are than that Blazers fourth quarter, I guess. I, I think you're also right to compartmentalize this group of games because after the Magic game on Wednesday, the Lakers play the Nuggets, Cavs, Nuggets, Warriors, Heat, Pacers, and Pelicans over the following, what was that, seven games? So that's all seven playoff teams coming up over the next couple of weeks. So this is sort of the last hurrah of winnable. And, uh, winnable, they're all winnable, but like games you should. Lakers will be a Vegas favorite in this game. So I don't know. Eric, do you think they can bounce back? Do you think they can get the, the brain straight? I, I do. I, I mean, I really hope they get up for this game, especially because they beat us in Orlando. Ugh, and I hope right. we're pissed about that loss. So I hope we come out really strong. Uh, uh, it's one, a, it's a one quick point game. about the uh, the Lonzo shots. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, 
that was just so tight what he did at the end of the Spurs game. Um, and then <laughs> afterwards, a reporter was asking him if he felt vindicated. Did you guys see this? No. No. Yeah, a reporter asked if he felt vindicated. He was like, I ain't going to lie. I only did one year of college. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. Oh, <laughs> Eric, you're doing God a great job you. of like putting us on these things where I feel like I can just take us out. Is there anything else we want to talk about before I wrap it up? Because that was another good one. <laughs> That's it, my man. All right, sweet. So over the last few shows, uh, Laker, uh, Eric has given us these great closing remarks. One was about Fergie. And now this one is about Lotso. This is Ball In, Ball Out, a hoop ball presentation. For Eli Bauman and Dr. Eric Noble, I am Dan Baspers. You can follow two of the three of us on Twitter. If you can spell our names, you can find us. Follow at HoopBallLakers as well for previews, recaps, and all Lakers podcast at the freshly revamped hoop-ball.com. We'll talk to you guys soon. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.